Okay. All right. Well, this is uh, episode eight, is it? I thought seven was uh, <coughs> in, in, indie. I'm going to say we're episode eight. I think we're eight, yeah. Okay. This, eight, this is episode eight, eight of Genti- Jedi Fun Time, and here we are with uh, Corey D. Williams and uh, Stephen Constant- Constantino um, from Return of the Jedi. Um, how you guys doing? Good. Great. Awesome. Um yeah, it's, it's really exciting to hear from you guys because this, this will be our first podcast that we actually had not only one guest but two guests together. Yep. But uh, mm-hmm. the best part is not a lot of people might know is the fact that you guys were you know in friends in real life even before um, the movie. So we would definitely um, our fans would like to know like how you guys you know became friends and got started and uh, with all this and how, you know how you've been in general. Yeah. So well, whoever wants to go first is fine. Well, this 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 is this seems to keep us connected. Um, you know, who, who knew 30 years later that, um, this was going to kind of serve as a way to reunite us, but that's kind of how we, how we got hooked up again, doing conventions together. Oh, very cool. So it's like celebration next month is like the band coming back together then, huh? (laughs) (laughs) That is a full circle. Yeah. We, we have been the past three years, I guess. Even before we started going out, we started sending tracks to each other. Just, you know, fun stuff. Just having a good time with it. And um, we always have that spark. I mean, since the day we met, it was just instantaneous. It's just, it's, it's full of adventure and um, just uh, music and just uh, letting it go, you know? Okay. So you guys play with each other back in the day then? You guys were in a band or just, just jammed together? We, we had, um, well, actually... I met a, a guy called Hugh Van Putten, okay. and he was teaching me martial arts. He had he had a actually he had an acting class he would put on, and then at night we uh, do martial arts classes. Okay, and he had he kept telling me about his best student. You have to meet Corey D. Williams. He's also a musician, and that's how it happened. As soon as we met, Corey had his bass. I had my guitar. I think we both had Ibanez guitars as well, which was kind of. Um, funny that we both have the same make guitar and just connected on all levels and from the first note it was just a uh, magic i must say nice so it was like it was meant to be then you guys were yeah meant to be yeah there. Cool. i mean cool. but, you know from, from my perspective you know i hadn't seen we call him van um we hadn't i hadn't seen van in a number of years and um i was just sitting there thinking about him one day and the phone rang and i picked it up and it was him it was really odd but I said, hey, man, how you doing? He says, well, great. You know, what are you up to? And I said, well, you know, I'm into music now. You know, I'd, I'd studied martial arts with him when I was uh, when I was 12 years old. I started studying martial arts with him. And and I studied martial arts until I was about 18 or 19 years old. But when I got into music, I kind of, um, you know, I didn't put as much time into training anymore. And so I told him I was into music. And he said, yeah, I got this guy that you need to meet because he's a really good guitar player and I was like okay that sounds like fun you know we I had another friend of mine who was a drummer and we would get together in my dad's garage and and do jam sessions so we would always have like I know we kind of would always have a a guest player or somebody who would show up and like jam with us and so Steven came up to jam with us and you know we just hit it off immediately and there was good chemistry and you know we went on to write and uh produce music together and stuff but um so it was the nucleus of the first group 
he and I were kind of part of the nucleus of the first group that we started. And then okay. there was many kind of offshoots from there. But um, so that's what we really had in common. So the, you know, it was just that's how the whole thing began. Oh, okay. Very cool. Do you guys do any gigs together or is it just more or less just uh, garage uh, playing just well, recreational? You want to, well, well, we, we never really at that, you know, later on the, the group was uh, in gigs, but Steven and I had never had a chance to actually gig together. I mean, we did, you know, we played a lot, but we didn't really actually gig together. I don't think, did we ever play a gig together, Steven? No, but the, the, what we did do is uh, we met a, a, a we, we were open to anyone coming through and, and we just attracted all kinds of musicians and. Corey and I were wide open. We just want, we, for the love of the music. And we had all kinds of people coming through, vocalists, drummers. Uh, and some were great, some, you know, some fit, some didn't. But I, I think a pinnacle for us was we met this guy, Yanni Stamas, who was a magician and a director and a writer. And he was, um, I think, hired from Francis Coppola to come to Zoetrope because he had met Francis Coppola's brother, in San Francisco and do this program for education and anyone that's talented, Francis would have come through. And Gianni, he did, he wrote a story called uh, Girls on the Brain, this, this video. I think it was one of the first videos in a way that had a whole story to like five songs and told the whole story. And he wrote this thing and we were mocking the bitchin' hoods and we became this fictitious band and, um, <laughs> yeah, it was it was crazy. <laughs> we, made, we actually made a video and wrote songs for each scenario. Like, uh, I wish it was a broom so I could sweep love sorrows away. Very profound and <laughs> satirical stuff, yeah. you know. Yeah. <laughs> Great, you, lo lo lonely for men and living in a phallic symbol. That was that was kind of crazy. Awesome. <laughs> very tough stuff. And uh, musically, when I listened back, it was it was pretty incredible uh, where we were going. Actually, uh, Billy, uh, Corey's dad would always say, "You guys were alternative before that even happened." Maybe yeah, we were we were very progressive. I mean, the music we were doing it, um, you know, it was really hard to put a label on it, um, which kind of worked against us at that time um, because a lot of groups, you know, was record deals are based on airplay, and yes. if you didn't fit a certain format. Um, it'd be really hard for you to get played on the radio. Like, you know, just it wasn't rock enough for the rock station. It wasn't R&B enough for the R&B station. So, you know, and it wasn't really jazz. Okay. Right. It was just really good music and experimental and eclectic stuff. But the Girls on the Brain Project was probably one of the tightest um, uh, uh, recordings that we did. I think it was really, I mean, we sort of peaked at that point. I mean, our our connection and, and everything just really, and Steven, you know, was a, was a better guitar player than I was a bass player. So he always kind of pushed me to, to, um, to, to work harder. You know, I, I was always trying to keep up with him. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now, was there any vocals at all? Or was it just strictly like, I'm, I'm just trying to guess like maybe like a blues kind of a thing. Like you just freestyle like a blues setting kind of uh, music would you compare it to now it, it, it's very like funky okay you know there's a lot of funk in it i mean i'm a funk junkie so 
<laughs> you know, it's just <laughs> everything I do is is it's got to have that in it. You know, I love all kinds of music. I mean, I grew up listening to everything to, from classical to Jimi Hendrix and yeah. James Brown and Simon Family Stone. But um, so you know, I listen to a lot of kinds of music and or type various types of music. So I guess you know a lot of your influences kind of go into what it is you're doing. But I guess it was really really a funk based kind of thing that had a kind of a rock edge to it. You know, in the, in the 80s, you know, you could get away with being pretty experimental with music. Right. Yeah. Well, funk to us was like, uh, it was just who could get more funky. It was like, we were always on the verge of how funky can we get here, you know? <laughs> we blow it up. I mean, one night I remember, like yesterday, is J-Dub, our friend Johnny Walters, played drums, he was the first drummer, and as a trio, we just had a great understanding, and we, we would just play for hours, and we had the garage door open up on Skyline, where Corey used to live, and up there, no one really walks around, there's no traffic, it's in the, mount, it's in the hills, so there's no people walking around, you kind of drive to your house and that's it, and we, we were playing for like an hour, just locking in, looking at each other, and as soon as we were finished, we turned around, and there was a crowd outside the garage. We didn't, we didn't hear one person. <laughs> <laughs> like 30 people cheering us on. We could, we for the whole session. Unbelievable. We were shocked. It was like we got to the dimension. You could have uh, yeah. took your guitar case and brought it outside and left an empty for someone to drop their drop money in for you guys, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> I like think, I think Steven exaggerates slightly. I don't think there was thirty people, but it was it was, it was, it, was definitely, it definitely turned into a party. That's for sure. That's cool. And we had no idea they were there until they started clapping. And we stopped. It was just unbelievable. Yeah, it was wild. Very cool. Yeah. Um, now, Steven, now you're still in band, right? You're still you still do. Do you do any shows like in the Cali area? Is that what do you what, still, what do you do in your free time? Play. I still play. I'm always writing. Okay. I'm always looking for the right musicians to play with. You know, it's uh, I'm wide open, and okay. um, anywhere I go, I love to play. Oh, that's cool. And, um, yeah, he's, su- he's super spontaneous, man. You know, he's comfortable playing everywhere. I'm not so much as comfortable playing everywhere unless I know kind of what I'm getting ready to do, but. You know, I've I've kind of gotten back to bass playing in the last couple of years. I bought an I bought a Warwick, which um, Stephen suggested I take a look at, and bought it. Loved it. Um, it's made out of African babinga wood. So <clears throat> I've just been kind of jamming with another bass player and a guitar player, and we kind of call it Funk Junkie. Yeah. But so we just been kind of doing some some grooves and laying down some stuff and. Eventually, we'll probably collect it all into an album, and then okay. maybe get Stephen to play on some stuff. Get you know, we just—it's kind of like a collective sort of thing, just a, you know, and not really aim, aiming at trying to make a, make any money off of it. Just, just um, you know, when I got back into music, I just decided that because I'd had development deals and I'd worked with lots of different people, and and. Um, you know, I just decided when I got back into music that I wasn't going to be worried about the business of music and just sort of concentrate on um, feeding my soul with music and just creating music and just let the chips fall however they however they fall. Yeah, sounds sounds like a fun project to not just have. Oh yeah, business absolutely. Aspect. So yeah, for sure. Well, well, the industry is there's really the industry is a whole different 
game right now. And, and if you survive this long and you're able to wake up every day and just play, it's, it's, just, it's therapy. It's just a, a beautiful healing process. You know, it just allows you to just be there now at all, you know, at that time. Very cool. Instead of searching it out, it's just there. That's the great thing about music. You pick up the guitar, the bass, or what have you, drum, and it's instantaneous. Yeah. Actually, we just got in touch with one of our favorite drummers, Brad Banton, on on, on Facebook, you know, and um, it's in the workings that hopefully we can get with him at some point. Yeah, that guy, man. I mean, he kind of, um, he was, he came along and, um, and then our other drummer ended up doing percussion and vocals and stuff, but he just sort of, um, he was like a drum corps drummer, and I mean, he was really, really focused. And, you know, when we, when, you know, he took, he sort of took my playing to another level because when he and I played, it was really telepathic. I mean, we could sort of communicate just by playing. I mean, we knew, we can almost anticipate what one can anticipate what the other was going to do. You know, when we got in a musical situation, we just kind of give each other looks, and you know, <laughs> and things would happen spontaneously. I mean, it was incredible. Man, I've never played with anybody like like him since then. Yeah, wow, well, that's very nice. We were, I was talking with Stephen earlier um, before we uh, we recorded that uh, the technology now is just amazing. That we were able to, you know, you could play together and without even being in the same room. It's like you guys are yeah, one in the, oh, yeah, the other, and you guys can just stream online and just. And yeah oh yeah i mean we're gonna have to try some live stuff but yeah. you know now we we did try steven and i already swapped some tracks you know when i first got the bass i put the first track down and i was really excited feeling really good about playing again and um because i had put my bass down for probably 10 or 12 years i mean i hadn't wasn't really playing and i did some music production for other people but i played synthesizer bass and stuff but yeah i mean i mean it was really cool and and so we just uh, we set up a Dropbox and drop some files in it, and you know you trade wave files and drop them into your digital audio recording audio recording software, and off you go. <laughs> well, you know, right? Just um, I went from Pro Tools eight to nine to ten, and I have eleven. And with my eleven package, I just got upgraded to twelve, which is coming any day. And twelve, what the difference is is now we can do that live instantaneously. We could, instead of waiting for Dropbox all day, mm-hmm. we, I could just, we could, instantaneously, I could just, it's like a, um, like my, what do you call, um, the new thing I'm using here, uh, the storage now, our cloud, the cloud. It has a cloud in it where automatically we, we, we sync at that moment, real time. Wow. So now uh, when I get this up and running, we'll see what we can actually uh, play together live and track at the same time from different cities. Technology. That is awesome. Yeah, yeah. The higher the speeds get, the better. I, I just I just got my first, I just upgraded the studio where I found myself, because of iPads and iPhones, which I came around to eventually, because Corey would always say, when are you going to get an iPhone, man? <laughs> <laughs> he brought because you into the light, huh? My girlfriend finally got me an iPhone, and now I'm so addicted, I always want to touch the screen because it, <laughs> love touching the screen so I just got what they call a slate board and it's a DAW desk and it's all touch screen now I can oh, wow. actually I do all my assignments and everything with the touch screen it's incredible now I can move tracks I can write in lines I can edit I can crop it with my hands 
It's unbelievable. It makes it simple, right? Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's so simple. Gives you more time to create, actually. Yeah. Here we go. Now, uh, Corey, besides uh, music, um, what have you been up to? Were you doing like some kind of like remodeling and like uh, house flipping? Oh boy! <laughs> I remember. Well, I remember commenting on one of your your pages about some kind of bathroom design. You were asking you were oh, asking people what they thought about the certain plumbing. I think you had a, you had a plumbing issue or something. So yeah, I did some plumbing. You know, <laughs> okay. I'm really handy. I've always kind of done that stuff. Um, you know, when I was in college, and and the weird thing is, I was in college. I was playing bass um and i was studying technical illustration and i was working for an interior design studio all at the same time so i sort of picked up knowledge from each and every one of those things you know all at once so it gets kind of crazy and people go well how do you know how to do this and that but it all kind of happens simultaneously really but so you know i have a love for kind of interior design and stuff and you know i can do plumbing i can do you know a lot of things i can do some simple electrical work you know and I can do some framing and some drywalling, and I'm a decent carpenter. But you know, usually I, you got to know your limitations when it comes to that stuff. You know, yeah, <laughs> you, know you get in sure. trouble yeah. sometimes. Oh yeah. <laughs> but but uh, but yeah, you know, I I do. I, you know, my Facebook posts are kind of all over the place. You know, <laughs> you know, I share a lot of different things. I guess that are going on in my life, and you know, I just decided to kind of make it a public page, and so okay. whatever I share in there. But actually, you know. I've been a fitness lifestyle coach for 24 years, and that's what I do. I train people for a living, basically. You know, I have a studio in my home, training studio, and then people come here and work out with me. So, you know, I have quite a few clients, um, you know, and I've trained a lot of people over the years. Jane Fonda, you know, I trained Ice Cube for the Friday movie. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. Prepared for the fight sequence with Debo. Okay. Oh, okay, cool. Nice. <laughs> and so, but yeah, so I've been doing it for a long time. And, you know, once I, when I got out of the music business, um, I kind of started my own fitness training business. And so that's what I mainly do. But occasionally, you know, I have clients that come to me and say, you know, they come to my house and they see what I've done in my house and they say, you know, can you help me? You know, I don't know what to do. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. <laughs> So uh, I actually partnered up with another good friend of mine, and um, she's got a, an, an extremely amazing design sense. And so, um, so we kind of get together and do some side, some jobs on the side. So we're working on a on a house right now, like it's a five thousand square foot house with nothing in it. Wow! So it's just like a mm. you know a blank slate. But we started off by remodeling like four bathrooms and redesigning several closets and then it's just kind of keeps going from there but um my main bread and butter is fitness training that's what i do pretty much all day every day okay so it sounds like you're just doing these little side jobs just to keep busy it seems like huh? just- yeah you know I have, I have a lot of passions i have a lot of hobbies and things that i enjoy doing like you know people tell me they're you know when somebody says they're bored i just don't even understand what that means <laughs> like, like i would love you know if you're bored that means you have a lot of downtime and that'd be really cool you know right. yeah. <laughs> well Corey's a great eye though and he's very innovative with design like when i came to visit him um I love the studio that he put together because he had these panels, almost like a recording studio, that could cover the windows, but they also become mural applications and art pieces. So, oh, okay. Yeah, they're sliding panels. Um, sliding the window that becomes yeah, an art. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Little things like that, just very, uh, very innovative, very um, unique. 
Sure. Yeah, it was just a real kind of weird idea I had. You know, I wanted to have these floor-to-ceiling panels that kind of slide across the wall. And and um, so I sort of built wood frames and then put plywood on the front and then covered them with canvas and then, and then um, painted them. So they're basically like sliding panels of art, but they slide in front of the windows in the room, which kind of keeps the sound in when you're in here jamming and okay and access a baffle then too that's pretty cool yeah trying not to kind of kill my neighbors too bad with it because <laughs> well, i live in a town home <laughs> eclectic practicality yeah <laughs> it's a good title for a song Absolutely. there you yeah. go you heard it first <laughs> by the way Corey, i'm gonna bring my bass uh, to anaheim my little yeah Omaha. i'm scared <laughs> yeah, little amps and stuff. Just you gotta get us kicked out of the hotel, Stephen. <laughs> just like well, you know, the, in the middle of the hotel, they go crazy over there. Like it's the same as Nam. They just go. The whole lobby is just a big party. It's all the hotels yeah. are like built around the middle, you know. Yeah, I don't picture myself plugged in down in the lobby jamming. <laughs> you never know. You never know. Steven's going to take business away from the piano man that's going to be playing in the lobby right now. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's cool. But uh, yeah, well, we'll we'll get to celebration in a little bit. We'll talk about other things first. Uh, anything you guys wanted to uh, bring up at all before we go on about I guess Star Wars? It's it's your show, man. Yeah. No, we're, we're, go, go ahead, Steven. No, go for it. Okay. Oh. All right. I'll let the other guys talk cuz I all right. Well, I mean, you guys, you guys have been friends for a while. By the time you were on on uh, Jedi, right? Yeah. Um, I don't know exactly how many years. Let's see. It was probably when did we meet, Stephen? Probably eighty. Yeah, like eighty. Eighty. Eighty-one. Yeah. yeah, somewhere. I think it's about seventy-nine, eighty. We met actually. I don't think it was seventy-nine because I was. I think I was. I had already, I was in Pierce College. Um, I think I was pretty much done. Did two years there. Yeah, so 80 to 82. We did Jedi in 82, so we were like playing for like a year and a half already or? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. So how did how did you um, get approached for it? I mean, obviously your father was Lando in Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. So did he just say, hey, they need some people on set. You mind doing it or? Well, um... What happened is, as I started to become a little older and a little more mature looking, I started looking more like him. Um, you know, I mostly looked like my mother growing up, but when I got older, you know, I started to look more like him. And we were about the same height, same complexion. You know, he's just a little bit bigger than me at the time. And um, so they he, they asked if I wanted to uh, work as a stand-in for him, because usually when you're a stand-in, they need somebody who's the same relative height and complexion as the actor. Um, right, for lighting purposes right, and stuff. Yeah. The camera. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you're just basically setting up camera shots and you watch the rehearsal that the actors do and then you, you basically imitate their movements. They put marks on the floor, um, stuff like that. Um, so <clears throat> I think it was one of my first jobs actually standing in for him. And um, But he came to me and he said, you know, are you interested in, would you be interested in working as a stand-in for me, you know, because they need, they need a stand-in and, you know, do you want to come to Yuma, Arizona and, you know, work on Return of the Jedi? And I was like, well, most people would probably jump for joy and say, yeah, well, <laughs> right. 
But, like, I had been on a lot of shoots with him, and I knew how grueling kind of, like, shoots could be. And I was a little hesitant. I was like, mm, Yuma, Arizona, like, it's going to be, like, 110 degrees there in the shade. You know, we're going to be, <laughs> I don't know. Right. <laughs> Plus, you know, um, Stephen and I were in the middle of working on, you know, our project together and trying to get enough material together to do an album. And so I was kind of really involved in all that, and... A little bit hesitant, but when my father said I could bring him along and we could continue to write music, I said, "Yeah, let's let's go for it." So awesome! awesome. That's kind of how Stephen ended up going with us. I mean, it was because of the band that we had together. You know, just said, "Hey, you know, um, we could just bring our instruments and continue to write." So we got into jam sessions, you know, every night in, in the hotel room. Oh, awesome. Different yeah. people showing up, listening to us play. That is, that's pretty cool. Very that cool. is very cool. Yeah. But like you said, it was, it was, they filmed it in Yuma, Arizona. Um, they did the Java scene over in, uh, in uh, England, but not a lot of people know that the outside scene where the uh, Scarlet pit, uh, pit was and uh, the bear, uh, the uh, Java sail, sail barge was in yeah. uh, Yuma, Arizona, which was outside. Like you said, it was some hot temperatures. So, and you had some pretty uh, hefty costumes on. Yeah. So, how was your uh, experience with that? That that had to have been brutal. Yeah, it was. It was pretty tough. You know, we 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 um, <clears throat> I can't say we didn't have a lot of fun because we were young and adventurous, and you know, it was just like, hey, you know, if even if like crazy bad things happen, it's fun. You know, <laughs> but, <laughs> but um. Yeah, I mean, we got stuck out there a lot of times in, in sandstorms, and we couldn't go back to the hotel until the storm blew over, and wow. you know, things things like that would happen. It was real unpredictable out there. But you know, just working as a stand-in, you know, I worked as a stand-in for most of the time I was there. And then um, when they were doing one of the shots where my father's hanging over the side, mm -hmm. um, he falls into the edge of the pit and he starts sliding in, and tentacle comes up and grabs. Lando mm -hmm. Calrissian's leg mm -hmm. and then Han Solo's trying to shoot it out well there was a little explosive charge that went off um, you know when he shot the tentacle oh. off of his leg mm -hmm. and the explosive charge went off and went into my father's foot and burned his toe oh, and wow. so <laughs> and so they were like uh, you know and then they were trying to bandage him up and uh, so they were like, well, we might have to get you to do some more stuff besides stand in because we don't want to keep sticking your dad out there. So I'm like, OK, well, you know, I had a martial arts background and I was, you know, physically fit and everything. And I could really I was really agile and I could do a lot of things. So that part of it, the physical aspect of it didn't really worry me a whole lot. But um, so then they decided because he had a stunt guy who is a really close friend of ours, Julius LaFleur, who's coming, comes out to, to conventions now. So I got him involved in it too. Okay. Nice. But, um, cause he's done a lot of star Wars characters. Um, cause he did a, he was, they were putting multiple costumes on him in that scene because he was such a great stunt man. He's one of the few people that was willing to dive straight into the hole. Uh, yeah, I think he was the one that went, went head first into the hole. He was one of the weak way, um, guards. Yeah. He went head first and, there was an airbag down there, but you know, a lot of people, a lot of the guys were just, you know, they would hit the edge and then roll in uh, because, you know, if you if you're not really precise going into that hole, even though it's kind of big, mm -hmm. um, you know, you could hit your head on the edge or something going in because it was made out of plywood covered with sand. Yeah, ouch. Mm -hmm. 
So and anyway, while he was doing the dive in, that hurt. And yeah, when he was doing a dive in in the same shot, um, he couldn't he couldn't double my father. So that's when they came to me and said, um, Corey, oh, okay, uh, we got this other Lando Calrissian suit we need you to put on. <laughs> and I was like, really? <laughs> and they're like, well, you just got to kind of hang there. It's no big deal. You know, we're gonna put this harness on you. And we're gonna hook, you're gonna be hooked up to a cable, but when the when the when the filming starts, you're gonna have to pull yourself up and support your own weight. So the cable's kind of a safety, and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so um, so they threw a ladder over the side of that thing and dropped me down, and there I was hanging during the shot, and ex- and they didn't tell me about the explosions though. <laughs> oh, no, of course not. Right? <laughs> They'll never tell you something they like want, that. They want the proper reaction, you know. Yeah. <laughs> right, you get a really good reaction if you're not expecting the explosion, right? Lucas is very secretive of all things, right? So. so when the explosion started going off and, you know, you could feel, I could feel the heat. You know, it's 110 degrees out there, but you could still feel the heat from these explosions. And yeah, yeah. You know, I could I could feel that happening, and the and the sparks and the flames and stuff were, you know, basically hitting us. You know, it was me and the double for um for Han Solo and Chewbacca's double, mm-hmm. and um, Chewbacca's double started smoldering. You know, because the stuff was hitting him, and oh, wow. he was smoking a little bit. And I was thinking, man, <laughs> yeah. wow, burnt Wookiee smell, right? Burnt fur. Yeah. <laughs> You know, if if uh, you know if they needed to get a real reaction from me, they probably certainly did. Because yeah. I was thinking, the sooner I get up from this thing, the better. <laughs> so in the meantime, was Stephen just like sitting on the side, like pointing and laughing? <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably. <laughs> I had, I wasn't hired to be a Good Morning Guard. I was there to just uh, be a guest, you know. Mm-hmm. Okay. Billy and Corey. And I was there for like three or four days, and there's so much going on. And, of course, as Corey said, the elements were against you at all times in the middle of the desert because they wanted to shoot the wide angles and, you know, blend all the camera angles with the desert. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, like, the third or fourth day, I think we went out, Corey, with uh, the producer, right? One night? Kazanzian? Uh, and Yeah, we... we- we did a lot of dinners and yeah, a lot of dinners. And I said, "Is there anything I can do to help? Actually, physically help? Besides play guitar and, and hang out." <laughs> <laughs> so the next day, of course, uh, we showed up early, and they had that Gamorian guard suit. And um, I know I, I remember putting the bottom half on, and I couldn't really balance myself <laughs> with, with the, the top half off. And then they put that on the top of the mask. We had to pick him up. Oh, really? Yeah, hold me up. Bottom heavy, huh? Yeah. <laughs> and then put a blow dryer in my mouth so I could breathe a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I could just see a little bit through the, you know, through the mask. And there were some footsteps drawn up that I would have to follow for the fight scene. Okay. That's what I did. But everything was, you know, in my head. You know, you didn't know what was going on. I didn't, like, I just did a thing with Julius that we, he mentioned. We're mm-hmm. talking about a lot, and I kept asking what did you think? I said, I don't think anything. I don't know anything that was going on. I don't know the story. You know, yeah. A lot of the other people did. I'm sure like Julius and playing four or five characters, they had some kind of a overview. I had no idea. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I just did it and 
didn't think anything of it because there was also six or seven other Good Morning Guards on the set, stuntmen who made our work look easy. And then uh, I guess four years four years ago, someone had seen a, a picture that Corey put up that Billy had taken of us with a mask off. Uh-huh. That was actually published. And they said, oh, you're the Good Morning Guard on the barge. I said, what does that mean? He said, oh, you're the only one on the barge with Klaatu and having a fight yeah. and get, getting you know knocked into the solid pit by um, Luke Skywalker. And I said, oh, really? He said, yeah, that's that was the the one we want the signature for. Uh-huh. This guy's from England said, can we send you some things to sign? I said, sure. And I did it, sent it back. They sent me a check. Wow. And I put one up, and then Corey got in touch and said, hey, listen, it would be good to have these licenses and authenticated properly through Lucas Films. And um, why don't I have you call Derek, appearance manager? Mm-hmm. And that's how we led to doing shows together. Oh. <clears throat> so who knew? I mean, for me, it was just a fleeting moment. Yeah, I mean, I I never thought that 30 years after we did that, we would end up at sci-fi conventions. I mean, that's that's just crazy. I mean, even to even imagine it, you know, if you told me that three or four years ago, I would have said you're out of, absolutely out of your mind. But you know, <laughs> the, the photo that we had was taken by my father. Um, and I, it was just really kind of, you know, fortuitous that I ended up doing um clad too because i was just kind of there and um you know at the time they told steven that they, he was going to be doing the gomorian guard they asked me to put on clad outfit and then at that time i don't even think that he i'm not even really sure he had a name i mean all the creatures were just kind of just creatures you know and right. mm-hmm. you know they may have had a documented name for that particular you know mask and everything that that was going on but um you know i don't think anybody else really wore it that much um, in that particular scene anyway. There's one other guy, um, Simpkin, who yes. did some of the stuff in the interior background shots, but I was the one who actually, um, you know, I had the fight with Luke Skywalker on top, if you could call it that. Yeah. <laughs> I just, they put the mask on me and said, run towards Mark. <laughs> And he's going to take you out. And I was like, okay, that's easy. Which way do you want me to fall? (laughs) So, so, you know, and it was, it was kind of crazy up there because you're up really, really high. People don't realize it. Like you're, you're up maybe five or six stories off the ground or something. I mean, they put semi trailers underneath the, underneath the, um, the set. That's how, and they still had room to spare. So that's how high up it was. But so when you're up there on that, sail barge there's just like these little rails and and then a drop and when you have those masks on you can't really see where you're going and you know you can't really see very well out of those eyes and you're just thinking well if i fall just hopefully i don't fall too far to the right (laughs) (laughs) it's kind of cool how both you and steven both suffered the same demise (laughs) <laughs> by a lifesaver, but yeah. but in Steven's case, he didn't know. He probably thought he was getting hit by by a stick like a pinata because he didn't right. he couldn't see anything in front of him. So he's probably like, who's, yeah. who's this guy whacking me? <laughs> yeah, there was no, um, you know, no no uh, laser taser or anything. Yeah. It was just uh, him acting out. Yeah, the lightsaber is just basically a pole. It was just a pole, exactly. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, had, and then they add the CG stuff onto it later, so. You're just getting hit with this pole. I see. 
But, you know, he, he just basically cut off the tip of my weapon and then I turned around and ran back in. Um, so that was, and so like a lot of people are like, well, Klaatu needs to come, you know, maybe he didn't die, you know, oh, the ship so you, blew up. You know? <laughs> oh, that's right. You did, you did survive that. I, you're right. Your, your weapon got destroyed. I thought you got uh, lizard as well. Uh, I think he turned around and ran back in, but, um, the, the thing is, you know, I didn't really realize the significance of the creature until, you know, Derek, who's been working with my father at conventions for a long, long time. Mm-hmm came to my house and saw the photo of Stephen and I, and he said, do you know that creature that, because you can see the head hanging down in front of me, yeah. and he said, you know that creature probably has a name, I'm pretty sure he does, and I think he's an action figure, and I was like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> mm-hmm. So uh, <laughs> so I found out he's a vintage action figure that's been around for a long time. Yeah, yep, I have it. Had a name, and, and lots of people wanted it signed, and, you know, nobody had been having it signed until, until I came along, because... Nobody really. I don't think there was anybody else who was signing um, that had that had put that costume on wow. yeah. at the yeah. time. Yeah, you, you yeah. mentioned John Simpkin. A lot of people knew him, but they mm-hmm. he was called the European version of Klaatu because of your character when you were inside Jabba's dungeon. But outside, yeah. you, there's a different picture, a different photo of you having your hands down by your by your waist. That's, yeah, that's you behind that costume. So that's why that that that's the Corey D. Williams. Is uh, Corey costume. there? Or did we lose Corey again? Hello, hey. I think we lost Corey. Hang on a second. So Stephen, have you been invited to the uh, 501st after party going on uh, Saturday uh, during the celebration? I'm pretty sure we. I was just actually when I was in um, Dallas just recently. Mm-hmm. I showed the 501st. Maybe an official uh, member, right? Remember, yeah, whole of the whole, not just the garrisons, but mm-hmm. the overall, all, all of them. Yes, mm-hmm. all of them. So, how was I that? Guess, was that pretty cool? That was amazing. Nice, because we had gotten, we've got, I've gotten another one from the Great Lakes and the Garrus, different places. I feel it's like a Mason society, you know. Yeah, it is. I, it's it's a really cool like, costume club that they have going on, and it's incredible. The, I mean, charity I feel, is awesome, and then they, at the. Um, they have a huge bash um, during celebration that they'll have all the garrisons from all over the, all over the world basically okay, is everyone, invited. Is everyone I here think now? you guys lost me for a minute. Yes, there there he is. we did. There we you did. go. We got you back. Good. Yeah, it said I, it said I was on hold. And now it kicked Constantine. Now, now it kicked Stephen off. Uh, now we lost. Now we lost your buddy. Uh oh. He's got to call on? back. Anyway, like what you were saying about Simpkin, I didn't. I think he started. If I'm not mistaken, I think he started signing after I started signing, but. Um. I met him. He's a really nice guy. Um, but, but you know, and I and like you know, I just wanted. I just told him my only concern is I just wanted fans to know who was in the pictures. Um, mm-hmm. uh, because a lot of times they have him sign a photo that is actually me in the costume. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Which which is okay. I mean, it's 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 still the same character, but you know, as long as people don't think he was the one standing there, you know, you the want, one... You want to take credit for your body, basically, right? Yeah, well, yeah, you know, I was standing there in that hot and uncomfortable costume when they took the picture in <laughs> Yuma, Arizona, uh-huh. and he was probably in an air-conditioned studio somewhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he's calling back, but if I answer, yeah. it, it puts Corey back on hold. By the way, in the 501st, I think we we will be going to that and taking a picture with the... I want to take a picture with the thousand... You know, stormtroopers. Oh, okay, wow. that'd be neat. Yes. But, so we, we talked about that. that um, they're going to be the first day. The first day of celebration, Thursday morning. They're doing a huge group photo in the main hall of the convention center. 
Um, I know they're doing that. And then, like you said, there are going to be tons of stormtroopers at the um, at the 501st party, the after party bash, uh, which is going to be Saturday night. I just got tickets for that yesterday. So back to everybody now. Uh, yeah, for now, I yeah. So <laughs> we're going to feed the hamsters, make sure they're uh, spinning. Uh, uh, uh. Mm-hmm. All right, so we had two conversations going on at once. <laughs> Stephen was telling us about how he wants to take a picture with a thousand stormtroopers. Right. Yes. And <laughs> Corey was telling us about the who's the real Klaatu. Right. Uh, Pretty much. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No. No. no I, I definitely don't want to diss my friend Johnson. No. No. Not at all. He's, he's a good nice guy. guy but... Yeah. Um. So we'll we'll begin. We'll we'll finish up with you, Corey. What you were talking about that as far as because it's all, it started when I mentioned that there was two two people, or two characters, or two I'm sorry, two actors who played your character, and mm-hmm. one is in Europe. So we called him European Klaatu, <laughs> and you were Corey D. Klaatu. Uh, so and there was different scenes, and the one scene that we that you are most recognized is the one that you are on the sail barge and that you have your hands down. Um, on your uh, side of your on your hips, which is actually the same pictures used on your vintage action figure that you have. So, yes, yeah. Um, like I, when I found out John Simpkin was signing, you know, I contacted him and I said I just wanted to make sure that everybody knew, you know, who the, who the actual pictures were because there is one picture of him in the background in the interior shot, and um, and so that. You know, he signs that, but he also signs some other photos that are actually me, which, okay. which is, you know, it's okay because we both played, it's still the same character, but, mm-hmm. you know, I just wanted people to realize that, you know, if they get that shot of me standing there or the headshot, both of those were me suffering in the desert and, you know, 110 <laughs> degree heat, right. you know, we want <laughs> let's be clear, we want you know, I mean, he was in a, probably in an air conditioned studio in the background and I was, um, eating sand. <laughs> right. Now, and like Steven said, um, the only way we could get cool is they took a, a hair dryer and put it on the coolest setting and right. they would put it up to the mask in between takes so that we could actually get enough air in there to kind of keep ourselves from fainting. Wow, wow. <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> now, you met you met John, was it recently? Was it last year? Did you go to do a London Film Con? Uh, yeah, I went to London Film and Comic Con, had a blast there. Stephen went with you, right? Were, didn't Stephen go with you as well? Awesome. No, he didn't go. Okay. That He's going, I think, you're going this year, aren't you, Stephen? Oh, okay. July, yeah. This July, yeah. Okay, very cool. Was- yeah, he, he had already been there for a different one, and and um, I guess they didn't want him to come back for that one. You know, they usually try to space you out a little bit on these things. They don't want you, you know, to, you know, to show up too much in the same place all the time. But yeah, so you know, I guess they try to keep, which is understandable. They kind of the promoters try to keep a variety of, you know, guests happening it because there's. You know, I, I never knew that, like, pretty much every weekend is a convention or two somewhere, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Except Chicago. As, as Congoers, there's always something going on. And, yeah, there is. Yeah, there is. Um, now, the London one, would you compare that to, like, like, a, like our version of San Diego Comic-Con, if you were to compare it to? Have well, you been to Stephen San Diego? would have to tell you because I've never been to San Diego Comic-Con. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, but from what I understand, San Diego Comic-Con is, is, is less of a fan sort of experience and more of an industry thing. But, um, but if, you know, you correct me if I'm wrong, but London, London Comic-Con was really, I mean, it was probably, 
I guess the you know they they estimated there was probably a hundred thousand people there. I mean, oh, wow. I mean it was crazy. I mean, people were, you know, usually like when you get to to a convention and you do a Friday evening, it's just kind of a warm up. Not too many people show up. You know, people have to work, so they usually do it in the evening. And um, so we did an evening. Um, appearance at the convention and there was a line going down the side of the building and up the block and I thought man this looks like a like a Saturday I mean this is a Friday evening I can't you know I can't imagine what Saturday is going to be like and Saturday was just crazy I mean there were people that that I talked to that told me they'd been outside for three three plus hours wait just waiting to get in because they had too many people in the building they had to wait for people to exit before oh, they could let other people in capacity wow. reasons yeah wow. yeah wow. Wow. So it was probably the biggest, you know, one I've signed at so far. I've maybe done seven or eight. Um, um, and that that one was really huge. Um, but Stephen could tell you about San Diego. I've never done that one. Okay. I was going to yeah, say, yeah. go ahead, Stephen. How, how big is Dragon Con? Is that a, is that, that's more like a San Diego, isn't it? Um, Dragon Con is massive. Um, it. Basically, Dragon Con spans like multiple hotels in Atlanta, and you know it just—it's a twenty-four hour party. I mean, it's—it's it's insane. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've never actually signed at Dragon Con yet, but um, you, you kind of—they um, pick and choose who they want to have. But eventually, I'd like to be able to do it. It'd be fun, but um, you know, it's not really. I think Dragon Con is more, you know, all these are kind of different, and Dragon Con is kind of more about costuming and people who are into cosplay. And yes, it's some of the best cosplay I've seen ever um, Until at Dragon Con. But um, so it's not as much about people coming to collect autographs yeah. at Dragon Con as it is at some other conventions. Right. That's like San Diego's like that as well. It's not about autographs at all. It's about being seen and then making connections. Right, it makes sense because like those cons, like the big, the, the hot items are the Walking Dead casts and uh, Game of Thrones uh, casts, like that yeah. are big. Yeah. And Star Wars, they'll usually have just a small handful until the movie, the new movie comes out. Then you guys will be picking up in popularity again. But obviously, next month it's just all about you guys, and it's just going to be insane. Really, that's um, just, that, that's a full circle of celebration. Yeah. That's yes. sure. um, I didn't know until the last minute I was even in it. Oh, really? That's true. When, yeah. Do you remember when you got your invite? Was it was it this year? You know, Derek, I had I had the uh, London show, and I was very happy about that. So Derek uh -huh. said, "I don't know something about, but um, you know, celebration. Don't be disappointed." I said, "I'm not. I'm very happy. I'm going to London. I, I can't thank you enough for that." And that's in so June, got, right? The London one's in June. Yeah, July. Oh, July. So okay. I, I put it out of my mind. You know, I didn't really. He said, Corey's going, and Billy, I said, well, either way, I'm going to go down and say hi. He said, we'll have a dinner, we'll hang out. Yeah. So that's, I didn't look at, you know, going to celebration of work. And then um, I guess we went in Dallas just recently, and he had said, by the way, uh, don't say anything. He had sent me an email. He said, um, good news, I think there's a good chance you're going to be going to you know, celebration. I said, really? Because he kind of said no already. And awesome. then sure enough. I don't know how it happened, but it happened, and um, I'm grateful. Oh, very cool. Very cool. A lot of times, you know, the connection that he and I have sort of, you know, like it always kind of keeps us, you know, we always had a kind of a bond of friendship and brotherhood, but 
Um, you know, that photograph is pretty, it's getting to be pretty well known now. We're both in it. Um, and he has the bottom half of the Gamorrean guard costume on and I have clad too with the head down. And mm-hmm. so, you know, it makes sense to, you know, to have both of us, you know, cause a lot of times people want to get both signatures on that photograph. Right. I'm hoping, sure. you, I'm hoping you have that shot at celebration. Cause I definitely want to pick that one up. My, yeah, my I hope favorite, so. I don't know if they're supplying their own photos or if they're, you know, like, Official picks, they usually give you like a, a yeah. variety of shots and some ones that you usually don't see, which are like the behind the scene ones, which are really cool. Like my mm-hmm. favorite is the one with Steven um, sitting there with his guard outfit on and uh, Carrie Fisher is picking his nose. Oh, yeah. That one's a pretty cool one. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, that, that's um, Derek's been trying to get that license for a long time. It's pretty provocative. But then um, actually, Derek uh, Mackey has a Christmas party every year. Mm-hmm. At, this let this past one, um, Julius was there, and he had just bought the new costume book about all the costumes laid out. Okay. Did you see that, Corey? No, I haven't seen it. Pretty cool. And, and um, all the costumes he wore, and they have each piece laid out. And I'm sure we're going to get a celebration. I'll have them there. And they had that picture with with Carrie biting the tooth in the book. So that kind of that there's a good chance they might be using that then this year, maybe. It's funny. Very cool. I don't even, the funny thing is like, I don't even remember any of that happening. Like, you know, so much stuff was going on at the same time. And a lot of times, you know, they, they just needed another body because, you know, stunt guys kept getting hurt on the set in Yuma. You know, there was a lot of injuries because there was so many stunts going on in that shot. So a lot of times it'd be like, okay, so-and-so's out of commission today. And, you know, Actually, the the shot where my father gets blown over the side and he's hanging, the initial um, action move is was Julius, not me. And then once he's hanging there, it's me. But okay, um, <clears throat> so Julius was doing the stunt with, and he was tussling with the the guy he was tussling with, and, and they both went over the side together. And the other stunt guy was supposed to let go of him, and then you know, hit the wall of the Sarlacc and slide in. Well, it turns out that uh, he held on to him just, you know, it takes split-second timing doing a lot of these things, and Mm -hmm. he held on to him just a split-second too long, and um, so the cable couldn't hold the weight of both of them. The cable snapped, Oh wow! and they both hit the side and then rolled in, and um, the guy actually, the other stunt man, I don't remember his name, but, he actually broke his leg because Julius landed on top of him. Oh, wow. And then, and then Julius the sliced his hand open. The cable was in his hand when it happened and sliced his hand wide open so he had to have stitches. So that was, um, like, one of the really bad injuries that happened. And that was the first time he had ever gotten hurt. And He's done, like, hundreds of movies. Right. I think that guy you're talking about is Dickie Beer. He played uh, both. Yeah, I think it was him. Yeah, I think I heard a story about that and how he got injured on set. When I talk to him, so um, do, yeah. you remember, do you remember offhand like how many takes did that scene take when you were hanging off of the uh, off of the skiff, and how long was the, you know that scene? Well, um, one hundred ten degrees outside. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know when you're out there and it's hot and you're in you know leather and all this stuff and a really kind of uncomfortable harness. Um, <laughs> seems like. <laughs> It seems like an eternity. You know? You're probably like, why did I sign up for this? <laughs> it might have been, you know, my portion of that might have been just 
that particular day, you know, up and down. I might have gone up and down the ladder a couple of times and hung on there, you know, just on that one that one day. And then I don't think I did it any any of the other days. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I think we were out there almost two weeks there somewhere thereabouts right. and mm-hmm. wow. doing different things. But um, yeah, I mean, it just when you're when when you're uncomfortable and you know some of these things are tough to do. It's yeah. it's it seems like it goes on forever. Apply <laughs> yeah, regarding getting up, like oh, really? I go back. I gotta go back in that suit again and do this all over yeah. again. <laughs> yeah. Why can't you guys do this right? So, well, you know, before, before what was your experience, Stephen? Connected. I was saying that that seven minutes. If you guys get a chance to see seven minutes, someone filmed on an eight millimeter beyond the chain link fence. The whole scene being shot. So it was the first time I really got beside the movie and the cuts to really see what we were doing on overview, wow. you know, like an aerial shot almost of everything going on at once. <clears throat> and it's pretty, pretty, pretty much a revelation to see that because, uh, you know, there's a lot of tunnel vision for Corey and I in our suits and mm-hmm. it was a scene. But in this case, have you seen, you've seen it, right, Corey? The seven minutes? Yeah, I've seen it. It was pretty cool. I mean, some, some guy had his eight millimeter camera out there and, he was beyond the fence. They had a perimeter fence around the set to keep people from, you know, going up to it. And, um, you know, they were actually trying to hide the fact that we were out there. Uh, they didn't want people to know. But, you know, for example, like when we first arrived there, they, they gave us all these Blue Harvest hats and T-shirts. And I was, you know, I asked my dad, I said, what the heck is Blue Harvest? Like, I thought we came out here to do Star Wars, you know. <laughs> and he was like, well... You know, they don't really want people around here to know because everybody, you know, it'll just turn into a a frenzy, you know. And so I said, okay, well, I guess that makes sense. But then we went out to dinner one night, like Stephen was saying, and, you know, my father, Mark Hamill, um, Harrison Ford, we're all sitting at dinner together. And uh, and and these um, pilots from the Air Force Base nearby were all sitting there, and I'm thinking... Well, it's just going to be a matter of time for they figure out what we're filming. Right. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, unless all four of them were signed for Blue Harvest. <laughs> yeah. yeah, on Solo, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Luke Skywalker and Lando Calrissian sitting at a table having dinner together, it's going to get pretty obvious. A bit of a giveaway, right? <laughs> yeah, the, well, the set was 45-minute drive in, to the set from the hotel. Yeah, it's the middle of the desert. Huh. Oh, man, wow. What and was it so like? They uh... actually had to pack sand down. You know, you'd actually get, it was almost you almost like near the border of Mexico, and you would turn off the road, and then they had, like, sand packed down to create, like, a hard-packed road to get actually get out to the set. Oh, I see. So you drive on the, on the interstate or, like, on the highway for almost an hour, and then you'd pull off the highway, and about five minutes on the sand-packed road, you'd be, like, right at the set. It just it was like a mirage, man. It just yeah. came. Like, <laughs> <laughs> if, you didn't have the, if you didn't have the right coordinates, you wouldn't have found the place, I know. Right. Every, yeah. every, moved every second. You look at one mountain and it would shift over. You know, they, they had a lot of quads out there, and ATVs uh, and stuff. And I think the deputy sheriff said, be careful if you do get on one because the whole hill could be, you know, seared off on the other side. It could look like you're going up a hill, but it would be sheared off and you could just... People have died like that many times. Oh, wow. It's constantly moving. Like an ocean. It moves like an ocean. It's really crazy. Yeah, there was a guy that, um, actually, there was a guy, I think, that broke his collarbone, and they had to, like, I think they had to medevac him or something. 
because he was out there trying to see what was going on. But mm-hmm. and so we actually rode. I rode an ATV when I was out there. Um, I was used to riding motorcycles, so I made the mistake of sticking my foot out, and that's one of the things you don't do when you ride an ATV. Oh. But uh, and so the back wheel kind of grabbed my leg. I was really lucky I didn't get hurt worse. Oh wow! <laughs> but um, but yeah, I mean, those guys showing up from all over the place. I mean, the the as the time went on, as the week went on, more and more people started to find out about it because word started getting out. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And actually, I think one. The the Air Force kind of flew over the set one day, <laughs> <laughs> no, which kind of took took the you know took it put everything to a standstill. You know, sand flew everywhere, and it was like they buzzed the set. And <laughs> once they realized it wasn't a UFO, then yeah. word got out that hey, it's an actual movie set going on right now. Well, they thought if they used a top secret plane, it'd be okay because the Star Wars production crew wouldn't say anything about the plane and they wouldn't say anything about Star Wars filming there. <laughs> well, I can imagine how cool it must have been, you know, flying over that, flying over that set in a jet, you know, trying to get a closer look. It's probably pretty, right. and pretty cool, you know. I'm um, wondering how this ship got out here without any body of water whatsoever. I know. <laughs> yeah. They're probably wondering how many illegal aliens were inside this thing. Right? <laughs> 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 yeah, you know, they're still excavating out there to this day, finding pieces of remnants of the set. Oh, no. Oh, really? Yeah. I hear lots of stories. Oh, that didn't know. Actually, Julius and I doing a show with Julius and Dave Barkley lately. was incredible little stories they had. They said they're still finding pieces all the time. He has friends that tell him about stuff they find out there to this day. We know where Jimmy's vacationing next. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Celebration, then it's Arizona. (laughs) Yeah, it's GPS, you know, trying to find that thing wherever it was, you know. But yeah, I, I, another, I had somebody send me a message on Facebook or something saying that they had been out to it, and it was just like you know, it was a deserted area, but you could, it just had a vibe to it, you know. I guess because you know what was happening out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, Lars Homestead is being uh, captured by ISIS, so this is my next best thing then, is to go out here, out to Yuma. Yeah, you're probably a lot safer than Tunisia. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I think a lot of people shot out there previous too, like Sam Peckinpah and Sean Ford. I heard right. There's a little history out there. Oh wow. Uh, they probably, yeah, I'm sure they probably picked that location because they've probably done a lot of other things there, um, or maybe a few other things there, and it was probably. Probably a really convenient place to build a gigantic set. Um, like you said, the, road, the roads were paved already, so it was easy to get out there now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's like back in the old days. You'd watch 19 different movies and be like, hey, that mountain set looks familiar. Yeah. And, and, in, no, and in no way does it look like Southern California. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Yeah. yeah, just like MASH being shot in Malibu Canyon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they, did, they, did a, they actually did a really good job with that with that desert scene. I mean, you could, you know, once they put all the other stuff together, I mean, you had, you know, you just thought it was out in the middle of nowhere. You know, it was a little bit out in the middle of nowhere, but not as much as you would think. But the edges of the set had, you know, they had, they, they built it so that you, when you were up there, it seemed like you're on a gigantic sand dune. I mean, you know, from the camera's point of view, yeah. it's the edges of the set just sort of blended into the horizon. So there was no rails or anything to hold you up when you were up there. So you had to be real careful walking around. Wow. But the views had to still be amazing. Even you know, yeah, the camera yeah. was awesome. Just imagine being there in person. 
Yeah. Definitely very cool. Well, great, the great, great thing, too, I think they're trying to capture uh, is, is the innovation of, like, the, the guns and everything with just the stressed car parts and they throw anything together. So if you get up close, you're like, what the hell is this? Even Julius was talking about this a lot. Like, well, you don't even think it almost looks kind of campy and cheesy. And then you pull back on it and the way it fits in, it's just amazing. Everything, you know, takes, takes its uh, place in the scenes. Yeah, I mean, I was talk like I was talking to uh, one of my friends who um, who is a costumer. He does his name is Wicked Beard Jeff. I mean, he does um, a lot of conventions, is a lot of different characters, but he does some really great characters. But he gives a lot of talks on you know how to create a lot of different things, and um, and it, you know it's real similar to what they do with movies. They just um, use junk i mean you know there's <laughs> they assemble a bunch of stuff together that makes it look like you know it works i mean i saw a speeder they had a speeder out there because they were you know the next location was you know they were going to do the ewok stuff and so they i guess they were working on a speeder and so they had a speeder out there and um i was like what in the world and you look close at it i recognized a carburetor and some things that you know <laughs> that were off of a car but you know <laughs> <laughs> like a shovel head and you know just anything they could you know use that they thought and put it together and make it look like it works right yeah the props they just Star Wars wanted to hop on it and start the thing up you know <laughs> so it's amazing how the 501st have elaborated on stuff and made it so much better like Jewish and other stuntmen said in the beginning when they wore the stormtrooper outfits they were cut under their arms and they didn't even think of you know just Setting that stuff down and making it feasible for the for the stunt people that wasn't even thought of. It was just putting it on them, and a lot of people got hurt because of that. Yeah. But now they make these costumes perfect. You know, they're so much better than they originally were in the movie. <clears throat> yeah, you're definitely right, Stephen. They're, they're definitely um, well, just the technology from back from the '80s. You know, it's just it's night and day, and and to make it as screen accurate as possible, they definitely did a really mm -hmm. good job. And uh, even I, I think uh, Kathleen Kennedy is the one who's in charge of uh, you know Lucasfilms now in, in Star Wars, um, even though it's part of Disney. She still runs it, and she even approves this, like, the stuff that they make. is just it's just it's far way more uh, quality wise, way better than what you guys had on set. So oh yeah, I mean I've seen for example I've seen some of these guys that build droids, and some of the R 2s I've seen were are now are like more sophisticated than the actual R 2s that were used in the movie. I mean. I got to look up, look at those things up close. I mean, I have like photos of me standing right next to him, and they had about three R twos. They, you know, and they needed Kenny Baker because he would go inside and do rocking movements, and mm -hmm. things that they couldn't do mechanically. Right, and now, now they can. Yeah, yeah probably. Yeah. yeah. Oh, those R two D two. I, I want one. They're, they're robots. <laughs> <laughs> they have a San a Comic Con, and it's just the thing walking around. It's real, you know. It's like what they kind of imagine. It's really happening. Steven gets out there and he's like a little kid, man. He wants to collect all the, yeah. he wants to collect everything. No more. I can't. There's no more room, so I'm done. <laughs> well, it's very cool. You guys are still fans of Star Wars. I mean, a lot of people are just like, you know, that either we talk to or just people I met. It's just like, yeah, it was at the time. It's just job. They obviously didn't realize how big Star Wars was back then, you know, being science fiction and everything. But it's cool yeah. that you guys still, yeah, it's 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 besides just being an everyday pop culture that it's still, you, you know, you you find it yeah, awesome well, that a, you were a part of that. 
Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, you know, I have a lot of respect for for the, for the whole the, the genre and the whole um, the whole saga. I mean, it was really a cool thing. It was it was it was something different than anything that had been done at the time. So it was very cutting edge and innovative, and and it um you know it was it was um it set it set set the stage for a lot of other things that came after it so but so i mean you gotta you gotta really appreciate being part of something like that and um you know i was really into the movies before i even did any work you know i think i saw the original star wars movie i don't know i can probably a hundred times but (laughs) when when it was released on videotape i probably watched it you know like at least once a day um so you know and then when my father actually got the role as lando calrissian we were you know, I was I was really um, excited about that. I was like, "What? You kidding? You gonna be in Star Wars? Like what? <laughs> yeah, there there are no there are no black people in Star Wars. You know? <laughs> like, what's awesome. going on? <laughs> um, it's a good yeah, reason to develop this character and add some diversity to it. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> Star Wars Rebels is great too. That's a great thing. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It just it just finished up. You guys watched the show? Yeah. I saw the debut in San Diego Comic Con. They had the, the okay. It was kind of still, still a little loose. It was still editing, and they had a little they had a little uh, screening. And I saw, wow, this is pretty cool. They're showing the backstory, you know. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. now that Billy's involved, it's great. It's fantastic, you know. They, everyone gets their due in that sense. Yeah, I was glad that they brought him back in that. You know, I didn't understand why they brought back a lot of the original people in the movie and they didn't they weren't planning to bring him back i just didn't understand that maybe they plan to bring him back in future episode i think that's what they're saying now or something but you know lando calrissian's a pretty big part of it you know the the second two movies i mean mm-hmm. yeah so I, I don't really understand their reasons for for um not including him and including everyone else but you know i guess they they know what they have planned, and sometimes we don't understand exactly what that is. Yeah. Well, I always had a theory with your dad that when they announced Episode 7 that he wasn't going to be, because they're, they're going to introduce the main characters first, um, and then I, I had a feeling that uh, Lando would return in Episode 8. Yeah. And it was kind of cool yeah. that they finally announced that probably a few months back that he, yeah. it was confirmed that he's going to be in Episode 8. So. Yeah, you, you kind of have to. I mean, he, right. I think he was one of the... Yeah, for not being in the first movie, he became such an iconic character yeah. for the next two. And the fact yep. that he wasn't announced in seven actually had a lot of backlash. A lot of people were upset and angry that why wasn't he involved? Yeah, yeah, so, I got a lot of that, man. You know, oh, I bet. <laughs> yeah. that's how you did. Yeah. <laughs> that's why I thought Corey was going to play Young Landau too. <laughs> I said that before we went on the air. We were just talking about that. How you could be a perfect fit for like when they do the standalone films, and you could be a young version of your dad. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of possibilities, man. In, in fact, when I was at a at a convention and um, I think it was um, Motor City Con, I was in Detroit, and uh, the first time I ever saw, you know, well, there was one of the guys who was dressed up as Darth Vader there, and he was about the same height as the original Darth Vader, about six foot six or so. Mm-hmm. So he was a big dude in this costume, very imposing, and. And the stormtrooper and I said, "Can I jump in and take a picture with you guys?" And they were like, "Yeah, I mean, you know, because usually when I'm signing, if I see something, I, you know, I take I'm as much of a fan as everyone else as they are of me a lot of times. So I'm like really appreciating his costume. He had a lot of work into it. It was very authentic looking. So 
we jumped in, you know, I jumped in, took a photo with him and then I, I posted it on Facebook and it was like, you know, all of the, the comments and reactions I got to it. But I was sort of, I had my arms crossed and I was, I got into the role of being sort of like the, the, um, the son of Lando Calrissian that went to the dark side. <laughs> <laughs> and so people really got a kick, kick out of that, man. Cool. And I thought, you know, wow, that would be really, that would be a really cool spin on it. You know, if he had a son who, who sort of, you know, cause Lando Calrissian was kind of questionable in the beginning. He did what he had to do, but if he had a son who was like really trying to act like he was, you know, a good guy, but he really wasn't a good guy. Like he was, you know, working for the empire or something behind the scenes. Be really kind of interesting twist. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, we'll start. We'll start the rumor for you. Yeah. yeah well, you know, it's it's it gets thrown around a lot. You know, I'm, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm not I'm not the kind of experienced actor that they would probably want to hire for something like that, but. You know, I think it'd be a really funny for them to just do a gag or like have me walk by or something in the background or something. I think you'll do fine, Corey. You have his laugh, so you you got yeah. you got it down. So. Yeah, you do. It wouldn't be that hard to be be a smoothie. Yeah. Well, that's why the rebels leaves it open for a lot of that kind of thing. That is yeah, true. It does. Yeah, that's true. It does. It's very cool. Yeah. Now, you know, Disney's gonna work it. Yeah, well, you never know, man. And, you know, I'm certainly, if if they came knocking on my door, I certainly wouldn't say no to anything. I mean, I'd put on a creature head or do whatever I had to do. <laughs> Very cool. Now, Corey, we were talking about your dad just a little bit. Um, do you know, I guess recently he was on uh, Comic Book Men? He yes. Was, he made an appearance on there. Now, I haven't I seen that see episode. episode Can you kind of, do you know what I'm talking about? Can you kind of talk? Yeah, I've talk seen, I, I haven't about? really seen it either. Okay. okay. But, like, I've, a lot of people have mentioned it to me. So I, I'm aware of what the the whole thing, but I didn't really, I didn't have, I haven't actually seen it myself yet. Okay, it sounds like Brian saw it. So. I saw the episode. Okay. Yeah, yeah, actually, um, he's going it. into the shop to buy a giant Toys R Us Millennium Falcon. Okay, I remember, and, when, they, I remember when they bought and the he actually, um, they play cards, him and Walt, okay. to <laughs> figure out the price because Walt wants, I think, like a thousand or fifteen hundred dollars for it, and. Okay. Billy only wants to pay 500 bucks for it. <laughs> so actually, um, at the end of the card game, Billy does win, and he gets to take it home for 500 bucks. And I think he was buying it for his nephew or, or something like that. Oh, yeah. Uh, so it was a good episode. Yeah, that's probably my um, – no, it's his grandson, my grandson. nephew. Okay, okay, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah he's, he's, he's a big Star Wars fan, of course, and, you know, as most kids. that That's another surprising thing about it. Like, you go to – I go to conventions and I see, you know, how, how many generations it, it spans. I mean, you know, it's, you know, people, the adults that pass it on to their kids and their kids mm-hmm. pass it on. I mean, it just keeps going on and on, you know. My daughter was and I never thinking. realized how, how far it would go. Yeah, I want to say yeah. I showed Star Wars to my daughter. She's going to be three in a month. I think I mm-hmm. showed it to her when she was two. And I remember her, she, she liked Chewbacca and she thought the Millennium Falcon was a cute airplane. <laughs> but she, she sat through and watched it. That's good, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Have you guys seen Billy on um, Storage Wars? No, I didn't no, know he was on that. I didn't know, I didn't know he was on that, no. Oh, that, was the, that was the best. Oh, wow. Yeah, if you look on YouTube, Storage Wars, the, the, the one guy, what's his name? He finds Barry. You know Barry yeah, Barry. Mm-hmm. Barry. The old guy with the glasses, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Barry finds 
I think it was that or Toy Hunter, one or the other. I have to look, but they find these po this all the Star Wars stuff. No, it is Storage Wars. It's, it's not Barry. It's the other guy and his son. Okay, so it'll be they, Toy Toy Hunter then, right? Wars. He finds a poster, Revenge of the Jedi poster, which are very rare. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And Billy happens to be somewhere shooting, and, and wherever they are, shooting something, and they, they meet up. He meets Billy to show him what he found, and if it's worth anything, and Billy goes kind of nuts, and oh, this Revenge of the Jedi thing is amazing, because they had changed the name. Oh, yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. so, yeah, I actually, yeah, I actually have an ashtray that says Revenge of the Jedi on it. They actually made ashtrays, but that must have been something yeah. like on the set, then, right? No, nah, no, they gave it to. They sent my father, sent it to my oh, father. Like they would yeah. send him all kinds of oh, um, promotional items sometimes, and it was one of the things they sent to him. And that's you know, I, I just held on to it, not thinking much of it. But yeah, I mean, I mean, they actually probably used to use it. And at one point, I was like, "Hey, no, we gotta <laughs> put that thing away," you know. Like, don't, don't put your cigarettes out in that thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, very I, found, I found the old slide that Ralph Nelson gave to us, the still guy, and, it, and it's a picture of us, Corey, with the mask off. But it says Revenge of the Jedi on the, on the still. Oh wow! Oh wow! That's cool. Yeah, I think the slides that I have probably say the same thing because I have probably a dozen or so of those. Oh, are you doing awesome so those pieces. things are just priceless, man. No. Yeah, well that's where the that's where the photo that of the two of us came from, the slide that I had. Um actually what happened was we had um my father and I used to take a lot of thirty five millimeter photos and stuff and they didn't really allow picture taking on the set. Like you weren't really supposed to be taking because everything was kind of very secretive. Right, right. And um you know, of course, my dad had his camera with with him, and he started taking a few. That's how the picture of Stephen and I happened because my father took it. Um, so he took pictures of me. He took pictures of me hanging over the side and them suiting me up. And then there's pictures that I've shared, you know, on Facebook and stuff that you can see that the two of us together and us both dressed up like Lando Calrissian. But so we think, yeah, I'm thinking, man, you know, he's he's getting away with taking all these pictures, like because they're not going to say no to him, you know. Right, exactly. <laughs> of course. So, so, so uh, he's taking all these pictures, and at the end of the day, they say, um, "Billy, you mind giving us that roll of film? We'll have it developed for you." Uh, <laughs> uh, nicest way possible, right? So they actually developed the roll of film, the pictures that he took, and. And then sent us the the slides with their name and trademark stamped on them, and so that's kind of how it got like that. And then oh, okay. when I when I went when I took the slide to uh, it was then Newell where all the um, studios went to have photos reproduced. I took it to Newell and I said, I just want to have a couple eight by tens, you know, made so I can put them in a frame and yeah. you know I'd give one to Stephen or whatever. And my mother wanted one or something, and they had to actually call and get permission. To make prints from the slide, copyright, <laughs> like, yeah. 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 yeah, we don't want any copyright issues. Oh, like, <laughs> we don't want to they're like Billy D's son Corey is down here, and he wants to know <laughs> if he can have a. They're like, oh yeah, sure, he's fine. <laughs> Next time you bring a note, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I, I did take, take a few Polaroids that slipped through that we have licensed now. It's pretty cool with Mark Hamill in the trailer. But yeah, you know, yeah, that those I've were seen that one. He was very young back then. Yeah. I don't know how that happened, but somehow Derek pulled it off. 
Any other questions? I was going to start talking about celebration really quick. If you guys, no, have no, on. go I'm, ahead. I'm okay. Yeah. All right, Sky Celebration in the next few weeks. Um, yeah, we talked about a little bit before. Um, it's going to it's going to be an awesome event. Um, you guys doing any panels at all? You guys have anything scheduled? I know your dad is uh, Corey is, is signed up. Are you going to be with him, or do you have your own? Um, I, I, don't, I, I don't know. Do you hear anything, Stephen? Yeah, Derek just said. What he did? You get the contract? <laughs> it says uh, <clears throat> we'll, we have to do two panels. Okay. I don't know when or where or what time, but okay, mm-hmm. to be determined. Okay. Yeah, we. You know, a lot of times we'll. When we go to conventions, they'll have us do a panel or two. Um, sure. And sometimes they'll schedule them, but then, you know, and it, they have bigger celebrities there, and sometimes they run out of time, you know. Mm-hmm. So you don't really know what's going to happen. It's kind of, um, you know, I've learned that when you go to these things, you just kind of go with the flow. You get there and... Um, yeah, they have your schedule already planned before. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so all these people are trying lunch. to message yeah. me and... Going, hey, let's hang out. And all that's like, uh, I don't think I'm going to get much of a chance to do that. But, right. you know. That's why I was, I was glad I was able to do the interview with you guys first here because I knew going to California and getting you over there is going to be impossible because you're going to be on such a strict schedule that you wouldn't have time to even talk to people like me. So I'm glad you guys were able to get to talk it to happen. first. You never know. So. Well, at night, there might be a little jam session. I'm telling you. I'll have, sure, I'll have to make sure Jimmy brings the recorder. Yeah, <laughs> no, I will. The pressure. Mm-hmm. He's putting pressure on me, man. <laughs> no, no, no pressure, man. All right. No pressure. Can you what, kind of, what kind of bass are you bringing, man? I just have a little what bass. One. I think the black Yamaha Ibanez I have. Oh, that's cool. It'll work. And I have a little orange amp you can play through. So we can fuck yeah. Did you okay, see well, you know, you never know. Some funk might drop. <laughs> did you see the uh, Did you see the bass guitars that people have made out of the Millennium Falcon? Yeah, that's cool, man. <laughs> you know, you know, it's funny. Uh, I don't know how good it sounds, but yeah, that's what I was gonna say. <laughs> I got to deal with Gibson this year. Nam, you know, I don't know if I tell you this for you, but Gibson, uh, when I was at Nam, I'm talking to this guy Jeremy because I want to get that new. Um, the new Firebird, I think I showed you a picture. Mm-hmm. And Jeremy, I, he goes, give me a card. So Jeremy Miller grabs the card and he goes, how do you know Derek? Why, why, why? I said, what do you mean? He goes, well, I used to do all the conventions and I know Derek for a long time. Now I do the same thing for Gibson. He goes, you should meet the head of RS Relations, Algin. Huh. You see, he's a big Star Wars fan. He also has a blog with Disney and he does a Star Wars show, this oh, wow. blog. He's going to be interviewing us, I guess. Derek knows all about this. He's going to interview us at um. At oh, that sounds like oh. cool, cool, fun. You know? He got me hooked up with Gibson now, and we've been talking about maybe some kind of signature guitar. Huh. And he said they have a PV has a deal with already. You know, Stan Lee has Spider Man because <laughs> I have one of those oh. little PV Spider Man guitars. Oh wow! But it, it's kind of in the works, you know. I wouldn't mind having a Gibson bass, man. You know, I signed I signed uh, uh, some some uh, Gibson guitar when I was in London. Oh, you did? Yeah, yeah, same thing. Those mm-hmm. guys, Jeremy. So the, I they didn't give me the bass, but they get. I mean, they didn't give me the guitar. I had to buy it, but I buy it at cost directly from Gibson. So that's cool. Nice. Gave like a thousand dollars on it. <laughs> but yeah. you're gonna beat all those guys in, in celebration, and I was thinking. God, you're definitely going to get a Gibson bass at some point. Yeah, I got to do that, man. 
And then if you yep. do, you got to try it out, right? So yeah, we'll yeah. be seeing you in the lobby then. What better place? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm in the lobby, man. We'll be like, uh, <laughs> what's all that fuss? They'll be going, what is all that fuss, man, going on over there? <laughs> oh, it's just Steven and Corey. That's not fuss. It's funk. <laughs> yeah, that's fussy funk. There you go. Which is going to be there, so that's going to be a blast. And they want to interview Let's go. But it's funny, they're all Star Wars fans. They had a Gibson. And I've been trying to get the Gibson for 10 years, and it's impossible. But uh, great Star Wars, there it is. Once again. Yeah. yeah. You know, I'm, I'm just always surprised that Star Wars fans, you know, are just everywhere. Everybody's a Star... You know, uh, most people are a Star Wars fan. Anyhow, I wouldn't say everybody, but some people just... Um, I can't get my girlfriend to sit through one without falling asleep. But, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, so I think it's it, it goes both extremes. I mean, either you're really a fan or you never even seen the movie. You know, it's like, yeah, it's, right. there's nothing in between, really. Mm-hmm. But it's just as long as they've seen it, that's all that matters. I mean, your girl, fair, Jimmy, your girlfriend likes Star Wars. She, she's just a late bloomer. So yeah, <laughs> our generation is like when Star Wars came out. I I, I went to Broadway in New York. To see it three nights in a row, and oh, wow. um, I don't think I've been hit with anything sci-fi since Kubrick's 2001. Oh yeah, think, yeah, mm-hmm. that's a good one. Which really, you know, the impact. Wow. Yeah, there's only a yeah. few out there that do that leave that kind of impact, and right. Star Wars is one of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Blade Runner, another one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or, <laughs> I watched Blade Runner before we started. <laughs> oh, cool. I was, I was. <laughs> I was surprised, man. I was, you know, I was at, I was going for some acupuncture, some things in my back and stuff, and and um, the, the my doctor's Chinese um, um, is a huge Star Wars fan, <laughs> you know, like, and so you know he he didn't have any idea of my connection to Star Wars, and we he just started talking about it, and I said, oh, yeah, really? I was, I actually worked in those movies, and he was like, what? So he took me into a room, you know, that he had at his office and it was like from floor to ceiling of different you know Star Wars toys and memorabilia that he's been collecting (laughs) (laughs) and he actually he actually has that poster you guys were talking about he has the Revenge of the Jedi poster does he wow yeah really cool I would love to own one of those, but there's so many fakes that are made on that one, so I don't want to invest the money, and then it's not even real. Well, the fakes are the only ones we can afford. That's true. That's true. (laughs) You think you're getting a deal on eBay? You are getting a deal, because it's not real. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, if you hang up a fake, man, people come to your house, they won't know the difference. That's true. You're right about that. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Well, I do have my Blue Harvest t-shirt. That's pretty... uh... Yeah, I don't even know how you pulled that off. Do you still have it, Steven, from the set? I have the Blue Harvest. It looks real tiny now. I don't know how I fit in it. But. <laughs> you also have a picture of you with a hat. Do you still have the hat as well? I have the hat, yeah. Nice. Oh, wow. That's Very cool. cool. I, I think that like, bring a T-shirt and have you a got, sign. you got to bring that to celebration. That would just be the ultimate score right there. Bring it have a sign to celebration. I told Derek, yeah. maybe have that sign. Yeah. Just get insured because oh, well. some kid might take that off your head and run, you know? So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I get a little crazy. Um, but, Corey, I was telling Stephen earlier about the uh, 501st. They're having a... Um, after like a bash party for all their the garrisons all over the world that get together and they're gonna have this huge like um yeah I heard yeah and they invite Star Wars guests so you might get the invites I would definitely recommend going because I heard it's a it's a it's a crazy time and yeah uh, um I think one of the guys was 
uh, had contacted me about that and um, was trying to make it happen. But and I told him, you know, I couldn't make any commitment. Like I couldn't make any promises in terms of in, in far as where I'm going to be and when, because I have to do, I have to appear where they tell me to appear. But if right. I get a chance to, I, I would love to. Yeah, because we're having a live band, so you can welcome just to take the stage and just jam away. I'm sure, I'm sure they would not mind one bit. <laughs> we lost Stephen again. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, I definitely want to uh, take the time to to uh, say thank you so much for yes, coming on the show. You. Yeah, I know I know you have a busy schedule with all the all the projects and stuff that you do. So uh, definitely, it's awesome that you were able to uh, come on and talk about our passion for Star Wars and mm-hmm. uh, just stuff that's just going on in your everyday life. And um, definitely want to thank your uh, your manager uh, Derek Mac- Mackey for making it happen as well for for yeah, having you come on. Sure. So mm-hmm. yeah, we really yeah, it was a pleasure, it. man. You know, yeah, um, yeah, I look forward to seeing you in a couple of weeks in uh, celebration. You're gonna have a one hell of a time there, man. It's gonna be real good. It's, it's gonna be yeah, absolutely, man. Look forward to shaking your hand and saying hello in person. Yeah, awesome. Sounds good. I, yeah, looking forward to meeting you there, Corey. So, all right, you guys, okay. have a good night. Okay, Corey. Yeah, yeah take you too. Easy. Thanks a lot. Steven, so we just uh-huh. wrapped, we actually, because we were getting ready to wrap up anyway, we just wrapped up with Corey, but we wanted to call you back to thank you Thank as you, well yes. For sharing all your, all your story pleasure. and your time. You know. My pleasure. Great. Yeah. Um, well, we, as I told Corey then, definitely uh, looking forward to seeing you in celebration. And um, that uh, you know, it's going to be one hell of a time there for you. Oh, um, absolutely! Yeah, yeah, come up and say hi. And uh, I'm definitely going to get Corey to jam a little bit at night. I know what's going <laughs> I hope so. I will look for like the funky eclectic music going on, and I'll know which hotel lobby you're at. So, know, my friend John, um, Randy Martinez is a great artist. I don't know if you know. He does a lot of Star Wars art. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Marvel. He played guitar too with his girlfriend, and he's doing a show there. He's pl- actually playing. And then Steven Stanton also is doing some musical thing. And Mike Olson, I don't know if you guys know Mike. No. But he, he works with Lucas. And been saying, Steve, you got to get up and play. So there's a lot of opportunities for the, the, those doors are open for us to okay. play. That's why I'm bringing some instruments because I, I can drive there. I'm not flying. So okay, That's cool. great. That's good. Yeah. Well, now, you, are you touring? Are you doing some shows like outside of Cali? I'm going to do London with Gibson. Okay. When I do the show, we're gonna, we're gonna, I'm going to play Blues Harvest. It's a band I played with in Burnley last year at one of the events. We did a, a benefit where I was signing at the Burnley uh, soccer field. Okay, cool. And they were like old blues guys. They play mm-hmm. all these old blues tunes, and they put Star Wars lyrics on it, parodies. And we hit it off so well that I wound up doing two other gigs with them in Preston at this place called The Ferret, mm-hmm. which is on YouTube if you check it out. Oh, just cool. Nice. So uh, Gibson now is going to be in London, and on I spoke to them and said, hey, I think that Blues Harvest come there because they are Star Wars related as well. And we can all play as well. But um, I'm also finishing my CD soon. And as soon as it's done, I'm going to hit up all the fans and oh. get it out there. Yeah, definitely let us know. We'll, yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll definitely. gladly give you a plug and put it on sure. the show. Oh, for, for sure. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, that sounds good. I'm pleasantly surprised because what I've been doing lately, they've been comparing to Pink Floyd and and, and Peter Gabriel a little bit. So that's pretty, Oh, that's uh, great. Nice. 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 I'm a fan. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you ever decide Same to do a gig out in like the East Coast or Midwest Chicago, that'd be perfect. We'll oh, definitely yeah, yeah. we would definitely promote and check you out for sure. We're also doing a pub crawl sometime next uh, summer. So uh, fall, fall, summer, something like that. I love Chicago. So, if you're ever out in this area, we would love to have you come by for sure. Oh, totally great yeah. food. So I used to go to Homer and Edie's. Okay. 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 The Italian restaurant with Sinatra. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Because I'm from Hoboken, so that's Frank Sinatra land, of course. Okay. Yeah. Right, right. I heard he loved that place in Chicago. 
it's I'm not sure if it's still around, is it? I don't know. Yeah, I'm just it I know the name. Yeah. I don't I think is it gone now? Probably maybe. maybe. I think it is, yeah. It's one of the, you know, famous traditional restaurants that's been there for years. Which means it's probably gone. It's probably still, still there, the and then they probably <laughs> changed the name because that's what they usually do with, yeah, the, with the restaurants here. Hopefully it's still there yeah. or in some form. Mm-hmm. It's sad mm-hmm. to see stuff like that go. So. Soldier Field and Wrigley. I mean, that, the whole those thing. are still there. <laughs> those are still there. <laughs> or part of Wrigley uh, is still there. It's like a toilet bowl, but yeah. It's, <laughs> 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 part of Wrigley is still there. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Part of it? Yeah, well, they're, they're renovating They're renovating it, and they're fixing the bleachers, So, and they're not supposed to be done until – the end of May, so there's a portion of the bleachers that just isn't even there. And aren't they doing like a city walk, like 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 Boston? They have a huge like, kind of yeah. bars mm-hmm. outside everything, so they're yeah they're they're commercializing the shit out of it. So don't they sell seats and things like they did? They did that at Yankee Stadium at one point. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think it's gonna be similar. Mm-hmm. Actual seats and things like that. Yeah. So, but yeah, Steve, well, definitely. Uh, I'll definitely will. I have some stuff that I need to get signed, and I'll be honored if you can uh, sign it when I see you in celebration in a few weeks. So oh, absolutely. I'll definitely will be checking you out, seeing you there in person. So, um, well, thanks. And keep me posted when you when you add this, and uh, I'm sure you're going to cut it down a little bit, right? Like yeah. Two hours. Sure. Yeah. 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 Oh yes. We'll uh, edit out all the drops that we had. So <laughs> yeah. Well, For definitely sure. send me a comment. I'd love to hear it. Oh, definitely. We'll sure. definitely we'll let you know when we're finished with it. So, yeah. but yeah, yeah, thank you again for coming on the show, taking your time off your busy schedule to uh, come talk to us, especially before celebration. So yeah. we really yeah. appreciate it. Great, man. So, yeah, and thanks for joining us. Yeah, really appreciate it, man. Thanks a lot. You're welcome. All right. You guys okay. I'll see you soon, right? Nice. All right. Bye. Bye. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night.